Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Tracy Syfax is a real estate developer and entrepreneur. He was uh, named a White House Champion of Change by former President Obama. Obama in 2014. He also was the Empower Magazine Person of the Year in 2014. He is the author of the book From the Block to the Boardroom, describing his own personal journey. He was in Pittsburgh on Friday to speak at the Leadership and Empowerment Conference that was held at CCAC's Allegheny Campus on the north side. That was sponsored by the Allegheny County Anchored Reentry Consortium and the Southwestern Pennsylvania Reentry Coalition. Tracy, good morning. Good morning, Jason. How are you? And thanks, thanks for having me on. Well, thank you. I'm glad we finally made the connection. Before we get into kind of your personal story and your personal journey, tell, define, if you can, the word reentry, because I used that uh, a couple of times there uh, in my introduction. Yes, absolutely. Um, reentry is, is basically simple, Jason, to try to keep more people on this side than on the other side. Keep, um, keep them out the rate of the. Of recidivism, absolutely. The rate of recidivism for folks that are coming home um, for prison, not just in Pittsburgh, but throughout the country. Um, it's dismal numbers. Any any CEO of any organization looking at those numbers of how many people go to jail, come home, and go right back, um, the, the board would be disbanded and the CEO would be fired. It's a failed business model, and, um, and our job as, as folks who are advocates for criminal justice reform is to try to keep more people on this side than the other side. Why is that important to you? Well, I look at it a couple of ways, Jason. Um, you know, when we talk about Smart on Crime Initiative, you know, the first thing that we used to do and, and we're kind of getting away from it now was to scream, we need to build more jails, we need longer jail sentences, uh, we need more police in our communities. All these things except the fact that we need to give people opportunities when they come home to keep them from repeating the crimes that they repeated that put them in jail. But I believe that through proper reentry tools, that these are real smart on crime initiatives. I believe this is how we really make our community safer by giving those who are coming home from prison the opportunity to not only reintegrate back into society with dignity and respect, but also to come back into society and get a job and be a contributing um, per taxpayer to our community. And I think we can do that through proper reentry tools. Tracy D. Syfax is a entrepreneur and author and advocate for uh, prison reentry reform. Uh, you can find him online at Tracy Syfax on Twitter. Uh, the, the, the information that I have it says that you uh, are leading two companies, uh, Capital City Renovations and, and Fax Construction. Is that still accurate? Um, absolutely. And actually, no, actually now we run um, three companies, Jason. Um, uh, it's, uh, Capital City Contracting uh, was out of business in 2012. Okay. Uh, since then, we have become fast food construction and fast food real estate, uh, putting those two companies under one umbrella, um, which controls our construction and real estate division. And then our third company is from the block to the boardroom LLC. It's basically okay. my book and my speaking engagement. But what we also did with from the block to the boardroom was create an entrepreneurship online course. 
for people that are returning from prison and, and folks that are in prison. And so I'm actually doing three companies now. The last one I am very proud of. The last one I think I found my purpose. I believe in entrepreneurship. I believe in the power of entrepreneurship. So to be able to combine those two with the reentry population, um, I think is a plus. Again, not only for those who are coming off of prison, but those who are having a hard time finding finding employment. And you're in uh, Trenton, New Jersey, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, uh, Trenton, New Jersey, I think I I know a little bit about, and I think there's actually a lot of similarities to the Pittsburgh area. But for our listeners here in the the Pittsburgh area, the Mon Valley area, uh, tell them a little bit of of Trenton's story. It was once a very prosperous city, but um, started to fall on on some hard times, did it not? Oh, absolutely. Trenton, um, there's a bridge in Trenton called Trenton Makes the World Shake. Mm -hmm. Back in the A-Days, Trenton was the industrial complex, industrial hub. we made a lot of manufacturing, a lot of steel um, out of Trenton, a lot of great paying jobs. And then in the early 70s, um, during the riots, um, then um, suburban flight, yeah. um, Trenton, just like a lot of urban communities throughout the country, suffered because of it. Um, and, and then, you know, drugs were introduced in the, in the 70s and the 80s. And our communities are suffering. I'm pretty sure we can find communities in Pittsburgh the same way. And I believe that these communities have a great opportunity to make a comeback. You know, I believe that urban areas across the country are poised for redevelopment as a real estate developer. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we must set our sights now on these communities, these communities that have been left behind. So just like Pittsburgh, just like Trenton, we have those communities, and we want to try to work with those communities to try to make them better. You grew up in Trenton. Tell us a little bit of your, your personal story. Born and raised? Yeah. Actually, I was um, I was born in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Oh, the home uh, we're, we're famous for uh, Bruce Springsteen made it famous. Home of Bruce Springsteen and Danny DeVito. Okay, okay. Um, so I grew up in, um, but I grew up in Trenton all my life. Me and my mother and my only brother, who was tragically killed at a young age, um, moved to Trenton at a very early age. So um, after I'm moving to Trenton, um, like I said, I lost my brother tragically by a truck accident. Mm. I believe that that accident, um, you know, kind of did something to my mother. She started using drugs and. And we really fell on some hard times after the death of my brother. And, um, you know, growing up as a young man in the city of Trenton where drugs were introduced into the community and the only thing I did was drug dealers and a lot of my family members were selling drugs and using drugs. I ended up going down that same route. So I ended up spending about seven years um, in and out of some of the toughest prisons in the state of New Jersey until I made a decision in 1993 when I came home that I was going to make a vow to change my life around. And since 1993, I came home and got a job and, and was able to work my way up from laborer to um, to mechanic to form supervisor in two and a half years. And within two and a half years, I quit and started my first company. Within six years, I grew that to a million-dollar corporation. I started massing millions of dollars worth of property in and around my, my community. I started another real estate development company. And since then, we made history in 2011 as the first African-American ever in the history of the Princeton Chamber of Commerce to be awarded Entrepreneur of the Year. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2011. And then just recently, last year, 2017, um, I was voted as one of 25 most influential African-Americans in the state of New Jersey, alongside Senator Booker and some great other folks here in the state of New Jersey. So we've been able to accomplish a lot, and I'm very proud of the things that we've been able to do. But I think the things that I've been able to accomplish is just a testament of what others can do if given the opportunities. You also had an honor uh, granted to you by former Governor Christie, and I believe that was last year as well. Can you tell us about that? Oh, yeah. In 2000, um, 
2017 after a two-year um, application process with the governor. Um, on his way out of office, he not only pardoned my record, and not only pardoned my 25-year record, but he also signed a law, the new expungement law, that will help people that are coming home from prison properly get their record clean after a number of years of being home. See, I was home for 27 years, and I was still answering the question that I was convicted of a crime. And I yeah. think anybody that's been home 27 years charge-free should never, ever have to look back on their past and still have to answer that question um, that they've been convicted of a crime. So, you know, the governor not only did the right thing by giving me my pardon, which I, I am very grateful for, but I think he took it even a step further by putting these new laws in place so those who are coming behind me will still have the same opportunities. Tracy Syfax is an entrepreneur and author. He is based in Trenton, New Jersey. He was in Pittsburgh on Friday, June 8th to speak at the Leadership and Empowerment Conference sponsored by the Allegheny County Anchored Reentry Consortium and Southwestern Pennsylvania Reentry Coalition. We have a break coming up, but before we do, that whole question of have you ever been convicted of a crime on the job application, that's a really important stumbling block for a lot of people, isn't it? Oh, it's just... Oh, it's just, it's like a game changer. As soon as you go into an interview, once you check that box, the application normally goes in the pile of do not hire. Yeah. Um, and then not far too often, it's not only that the individual who was applying for the job loses out on that opportunity, but us as employers, you know, I, I, you know, I gotta always remember I'm an employ, employer now, so I not only hire, I fire. So yeah. I get an opportunity to look at a lot of these applications. But what I, what I, what I like to tell people is that, especially other employers, is that you may be passing up one of your best employees by not giving that person at least a chance at an interview, not giving that person at least a chance to sit down and explain their story and, and, and have the ability to um, to give them that chance. So if you don't give them that chance, some of our employers are missing out on some of the great employees that they could be having at their company. I, I'm reminded, too, we had a situation uh, in the Pittsburgh area where uh, someone was elected to uh, city council in McKeesport, and um, it was a very similar story. He had a criminal conviction that I believe was 20 or 25 years old, and the district attorney said uh, he could not take that seat on city council because of that criminal conviction unless he was, was granted a pardon, which... I remember that story. How did he ever make out with that? Uh, still waiting. Still waiting on the governor. And um, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about your personal journey and uh, how you found the, the, the strength and, and the, the, the perseverance to carry on. Is that okay? Yes, sir. Really okay. Appreciate it. Tracy Zyfax is an entrepreneur and author of the book From the Block to the Boardroom. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Striffler's offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Striffler's also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at Striffler's.com or call 4 4- one two six seven eight six one nine one. You're listening to Two Rivers Thirty Minutes. Support comes from the readers of TubeCityOnline.com and the Tube City Almanac, and we thank them for their support. If you'd like to contribute, please visit our website. Call us at four one two six one four nine six five nine, or email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com. <laughs> 
Welcome back. Our guest this morning is Tracy Syfax. He is an author, an entrepreneur. He is a former White House champion of change, was named in 2014 by former President Obama. He was the Empower Magazine Person of the Year. And uh, in 2017, he received a full pardon from Governor Christie for a drug conviction back in the 1980s, correct? 1990s? What the pardon? Well, no, I mean the the, pardon, the, yes. the conviction. Oh, the conviction was nineteen. My ladies, my last conviction was in nineteen eighty eight. Okay. Um, yeah, I went to jail and I served time, and I came home in ninety three. And he is based in uh, Trenton, New Jersey, uh, where he has started several successful real estate companies, and is also now much in demand as a speaker, uh, talking about the process by which former prison offenders reenter society. Um, we talked a little bit uh, before the break about the Trenton, New Jersey story and how Trenton, like so many areas around the Pittsburgh uh, region, especially in the Mon Valley area, uh, struggled. Um, factories closed, plants closed, jobs moved away. What what happens to someone? What led you into uh, being addicted to drugs and, and then selling drugs? Do you remember? Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think, um, as I said earlier, Jason, you know, I think um, it all started, you know, when my, my only brother was tragically killed by um, in a truck accident mm-hmm. when I was eight years old. And I think, and, and I look back on my life, and I think about, you know, what that did to my mother, what that did to my family. Um, I believe that that was the starting point. But as I was growing older, um, just, you know, seeing the community I was growing up in, you know, people that, that I knew that were going to jail, coming home, being celebrated, um, I thought that that was a way of life, and jail was eventually in my cards. Um and I did everything to get there. So, you know, selling drugs, using drugs. I sold drugs to support my habit. But, you know, even as a crack addict and as a heroin addict, I always felt as though I was an entrepreneur. I always felt as though I was a businessman. I did what I needed to do to make sure that every single day that went by, I had my drug of choice. And I used those entrepreneurship skills back then to do um, negative stuff uh, and, and to supply my habit. But as I look back on my life now, I think those same attributes I had as a as a drug dealer, um, I use some of those same experiences now as a successful entrepreneur. I believe some of those qualities are still there. Some of the you know greatest attributes of an entrepreneur is someone who has a low tolerance for risk. Um, I I do have a low tolerance for risk. I took risk all my life, so being able to take risk in business and as an entrepreneur, I think those attributes have helped me. You 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 mentioned something that I hear from teachers, from police officers, uh, from from people who um, have uh, interaction with uh, young people in the community, and that is that some of them kind of have that attitude that well, I'm going to end up in the system sooner or later, uh, so I might as well just get it over with. Um, And and I hear from teachers and police officers that they get very frustrated and sad because like it doesn't have to be that way. Um, how how do we break the cycle? Do you have some ideas for for, for how to break that mindset? Yeah, I think um, I think one of the ways, Jason, is me being in Pittsburgh on Friday. Um, you know, talking with the folks um, who's putting on the conference and having this conversation. Um, when I was in Penn State uh, last month doing a speech, you know, this type of work here has to be inspirational. Um, folks who have traveled this road, folks who have um, been to prison that are coming home. Um, they need to see somebody that looks like them and, and someone who has who has went down that same road and have come home and um, achieved some good things. And, and I believe that if we can provide that example for them, we can inspire them, if we can show them the same way I was show that I was going to jail as a young man and I was going to be nothing but a drug dealer as a young man, I think if we can show them something different, 
I believe we can change this thing around. I just think this work has to be inspirational. So I plan on doing my part as someone who has traveled down that road to be able to show them um, the example, the example of what they can be and what they can become, even with a criminal background history. Tracy Syfax is the author of From the Block to the Boardroom. You can get that uh, from his website. You can also get it from Amazon.com. It details his own journey from uh, being addicted to drugs and dealing them to his recovery and his redemption now as a successful real estate developer and entrepreneur. In 2014, he was named a White House Champion of Change. And in 2017, he received a full pardon from New Jersey Governor Chris Christie for his uh, past drug convictions. He is currently using his position to advocate for reforming the process by which former offenders re-enter society. Why did you decide in 1990 when you came home that this is it? I'm not going back into the system. I'm cleaning my life up. And, and, and I'm. Wh- where did that inspiration come from? Was that internal? Was it external? What happened? Well, I think it was a combination of things, Jason. And I get asked that question a lot of times. When, when was that aha moment? When was that point in your life where you finally said, 17 years in the streets that enough was enough. I don't think I ever really got to that one exact thing. Um, you know, I've been shot, laid up in the hospital in a coma for three weeks. Jeez. I still have a bullet lodged near my spine. Um, that happened in 19, around the end of 1987. I got out of the hospital and went right back to the streets. So you would think that that would have been an aha moment. When I was in jail in 1991, I was sent to solitary confinement for a year. Um, for something that I did not do. I was charged with assaulting the officer. I didn't assault anybody. And I was put in a hole for a year in solitary confinement. You would think a year in solitary confinement uh, would have been that aha moment. That would have changed my life. Didn't do it. Um, when I was sentenced, when I was sentenced, the judge told me that you're a two-time convicted felon. You come back for a third time, and I'm going to give you a extended term. You would think that would be enough. So I've had all those moments. And I think when I put them all together, I just made a decision in 1992 um, right before I got ready to come home from jail, that I was going to change my life around, that I wasn't coming back. We we have not talked about your your uh, family at all. You have uh, two children and I believe two granddaughters, if the information's right. Uh, yes, actually, yep, three granddaughters. Okay. Um, uh, and then I have a uh, two daughters, and I have a son. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and what's um, what's the my lesson? Daughters, my my oldest kids, but my daughter is thirty four. My son is thirty three. I have a younger daughter, 18, and then I have my three granddaughters who I, who I love dearly. What, what's the lesson that you have, how, how have you helped them break the cycle? Well, you know, you know, everybody, I really believe that a lot of people have to, um, you know, especially when it comes to, um, to breaking that cycle of incarceration, especially a generational cycle that affects so many families. You know, you can, um, you can show them an example. You can give them the, the, the talk. You can do all those things, you know, because I had that when I was growing up. I had a lot of people pull me on the side and, and try to talk to me and try to steer me in the right direction. And I just had to find out on my own that, you know, the way that I was going was not going to work. And um, and I had to finally make that decision to change my life around. I believe that I try to give my family, and especially my granddaughter, and i give you an example of my oldest granddaughter, Brooklyn. Um, I try to teach Brooklyn all the entrepreneurship skills as a young lady that I can. And um, she's grown up. She's uh, 13 years old now, and um, she's an entrepreneur to heart. She will sell you anything to put her hands on. <laughs> so I think I've created, you know, the next generation of entrepreneurs through her. Um, so I think that, you know, giving them and showing them the example and then also teaching them, I think is very important. So I get an opportunity to not only do that with my family, 
but to do that with a community of other um, young people because I've been doing a program where I actually just stepped out from the board after 20 years, a program called the Mining Art Business Program where I was teaching six or seven graders how to start and run their own business. So catching them at a young age and teaching them um, the power of entrepreneurship I think is a way that we can definitely turn this thing around. Uh, unfortunately, the time goes quickly. We have one more quick break to take, and when we come back, I want to ask you about these talks that you go around the country delivering and uh, what kind of feedback you get and what kind of changes that you are advocating for in the uh, justice system, okay? Yes, sir. Tracy Zyfax is an entrepreneur and author of the book From the Block to the Boardroom. He was in Pittsburgh on Friday to speak at the Leadership and Empowerment Conference that was held at CCAC's Allegheny Campus on the north side. That was sponsored by the Allegheny County Anchored Reentry Consortium and the Southwestern Pennsylvania Reentry Coalition. And we'll be back to wrap things up here on Radio 81 WEDO. 1550 and 101.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel. Internet Radio, WMCK.FM, and TubeCityOnline.com. Stay tuned. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. You know, we're looking for help in getting this show on the air and for help with other projects. If you're interested in the McKeesport area and you'd like to host a program or write articles for the website, call us at 412-614-9659 or email TubeCityPartner Welcome back. Our guest this morning for final few minutes is Tracy Syfax. He's an author, entrepreneur, and business consultant, uh, has founded several successful businesses, and also has been a community activist in the Trenton, New Jersey area. He was in Pittsburgh on Friday, June 8th, to speak at the Leadership and Empowerment Conference that was held at CCAC's Allegheny Campus on the north side. It was sponsored by the Allegheny County Anchored Reentry Consortium and the Southwestern Pennsylvania Reentry Coalition. Uh, was supported in part by a CCAC Title III Learning Commons grant and by Goodwill Industries of Southwestern Pennsylvania. You can find him on Twitter and Facebook at Tracy Syfax. His last name is spelled S-Y-P-H-A-X. Uh, when we took the break, I asked you... You, you've been traveling around the country giving these these keynote addresses, getting people fired up. What kind of feedback do people tell you? What are the sto- You said Friday you are interested in hearing some of the stories. What are some of the stories that you've heard? Well, I'm telling you, I've been hearing some um, uh, great feedback, um, not just wrapping arms around criminal justice reform. You know, when we look at criminal justice reform, it's a bipartisan issue. Mm-hmm. Um, we get folks from all across the aisle um, talking about the issue. I was just up in New Hampshire last month. Um, with the warden of correctional facility in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And um, he's part of an organization called LEAP, which is Law Enforcement Action Partnership. And LEAP is about 7,000 members, all former law enforcement, wardens, judges, um, lawyers, that are all part of this organization that believes in criminal justice reform. So to be able, as, as a friend of myself, to be able to work with them and network with them and be a part of that organization, I'm actually going to be joining their advisory board. So I will be the first. Um, former incarcerated person to be on the advisory board of this law enforcement uh, organization. So being able to have those opportunities to work with all people across the aisles, I think is very important. And I think a lot of folks are starting to wrap their arms around criminal justice reform and second chances. You know, there are 60 million people, Jason, in the United States that are touched by the criminal justice system. And I think we can't just throw 60 million people um, out of the system and not give them the opportunity to be an integral part of the community, an integral part of society and become taxpayers. So that's one thing the benefits of, of turning our lives around. I pay a lot of money in taxes now. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of 
know, paying all this money in taxes now, I look for a return on my investment. So once again, that's why we do reentry. And once again, that's why we reduce the rate of recidivism because it is simply the right thing to do. I, I think I've seen you said sixty million, and I think I have seen um, statistics that the United States. Uh, per capita has more people in the criminal justice system or past offenders than any other country in the United States, uh, with the exception maybe of, of some of the communist or uh, dictatorships. Um, it's really an extraordinary number uh, compared to Canada, Mexico, Germany, England, um, France, whatever other country, Switzerland, whatever other country you want to name, uh, how many people in the United States have, have been through that system. Um, what needs to be done with the with the reentry? I mean, we have this this Allegheny County Anchored Reentry Consortium. We have this uh, Southwestern Pennsylvania Reentry Coalition, which are working to reintegrate people uh, into society and, and get them skills and, and get them off the streets. But what has to be done all over the country? What's what's the first step? I mean, what what happens? I I have been blessed to not have been through the system. So what happens when you get out? What do they do for you? Anything? No, and that's the tough part. That, that is the tough part, Jason. You know, when you get out, a lot of folks, you know, just the simple task of getting ID, uh-huh. the simple task of finding um, benefits that will help you as you start to look for a job or, or try to find your way housing. Um, you know, you know, part of the laws now, if you're convicted of a crime and you live in public housing, you can't go back to public housing. And a lot of your family members may still live in public housing. So there's so many other malls, and, 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 you know, in the United States, there are 45,000 um, collateral consequences that face a person that's coming home from prison. 45,000. What, what's a and collateral consequence? What's, what's, yeah, what's a, a lot of things. In, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, you can't transport bingo chips <laughs> if you've been convicted of a crime. Okay. Oh, yeah. You can't trade cattle if you've been convicted of a crime. And in New York State, you can't have a barber's license if you've been convicted of a crime. So, so many things and so many of these laws that we have on the book that prevent people that are coming home from prison to properly reintegrate back into society does nothing but continues that vicious cycle of them coming home from jail and going right back to jail because there are no opportunities, nothing to properly help them reintegrate back into society. So they, they do something wrong, they pay the punishment, but then you're, what you're saying is we prevent them from having a lively, livelihood afterwards. Absolutely. We, we actually, we send us into a life sentence, long as you have that record, as long as that record is on, is, 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 is available for people to see, we basically are, are, are and even if you paid your fine, off parole, done your time, you know, like me, been home for 20-some years. I know plenty of people that I network with and some of my colleagues that, that are still have records, you know, after 15, 20, 25, 30 years. Wow. They still have a criminal record, and, and they're home doing some amazing things. So, you know, we got to change the laws. We have to be able to say, okay, you've done, a, you've done a crime, you've paid your debt to society, now how do we help you get back your life back, and how do we help you properly integrate back to society? I like to think that we do it in a, three different ways. And Number one is through education. I believe that's very important, starting in the prison. Um, I believe that employment is the number one thing. When 93% of the jobs in the United States require you to have a high school diploma, um, and then, and then then entrepreneurship. So I believe those three E's um, can help anyone that's coming home from prison probably win the great back to society and stay home. And I think that's very important. And, and I should point out, because I, I like to play devil's advocate sometimes, you're not saying that people, if they've done something wrong, should not face punishment. What you're saying is that at some point they have to, we, we, we have to find a way for them to make an honest living again and, and, and as you put it, become productive again. 
Oh, absolutely. You know, and I say this all the time. I'll take it even a step further, Jason. There are some people in jail that never never should get out of jail. Mm-hmm. There's some people in jail that should stay in jail because they're not going to change and they're violent and letting them go would do more harm to the community. So, no, you know, we don't advocate for I advocate for people who have done their time, who have paid their debts to society, to properly give them the opportunity to reintegrate back into life. And, 90, you know, we got to realize 94% of those that go to prison come home one day. Mm-hmm. There's only a small 6% that stay forever. So that 94% that eventually come home, and every year in the United States, we release between 600 and 700,000 people from the prison system into community. So if we're not giving them the proper chance to probably really great for society. We just continue that vicious cycle. So, no, once you pay your debt to society, once you've done your time, you should be allowed to um, to redeem yourself and to get back into, into, into your community and be a productive citizen once again. Tracy Zyfax is an entrepreneur and author of the book From the Block to the Boardroom. Tracy, thanks so much. Thank you, Jason. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, McKeesport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.